commentary said it's the perfect prayer. Okay, and so it's it's valid, and maybe every day just say, Our Father in heaven, uh, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you can just pray it, just like it's, it's written. Or uh, you can use it as an outline uh, for prayer. And so you take the prayer each step at a time, or each line, or each uh, item in the prayer, and see it as... Uh, like the heading of an, uh, a section that you then can fill in. And so that's how we're going through it. Starts with our Father in heaven, which is the introduction, establishes relationship. And then there are six petitions. We covered the first uh, three last week. Hallowed be thy name. Uh, and that is uh, offering up praise and adoration based on the name of God. And thy kingdom come and thy will be done is uh, declaring, both both requesting and making declaration of God's kingdom, uh, where His rule and reign is evident, uh, and His will, where His purpose and His choice, His desires are done in the specific. We, we are uh, like conduits of the heavenly realm into the earthly realm. And so as we pray, it's like we're reaching into heaven and taking the things that are in heaven and saying, let them be done here uh, on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> and so there's that active... Uh, 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 work of prayer of bringing God's kingdom and His will into our life and the lives of those we love, and we can pray those in specifics. But we're going to move on to the fourth petition today, and um, that is, uh, give us this day our daily bread, or in Luke, give us day by day our daily bread. The first three petitions really have to do with God. They're, they're the glorification, they're, the, they're about God's kingdom and God's name. But the next petitions really have to do with about us and our needs and, and our concerns. And uh, this one, give us this day, our daily bread, is uh, uh, one resource says it's, it's we're asking God as our heavenly father to grant us the physical necessities of life. And bread is just a common word that just represents everything we need. For earthly existence, all right, um, we're, uh, we're asking God to provide for our needs, and it's good. <laughs> it's okay to ask God for stuff, all right. Say it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, James four verse two uh, says, "You do not have why? Because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask." You don't have because you don't ask. Well, what are you going to do? Start asking. All right? Start asking. And it just surprises me. It's, it's a common thing, but it still kind of surprises me when people have difficulty praying for the, themselves. And I hear this regularly as a pastor. People will say, well, you know, I just feel uncomfortable asking God for things for me. You know, I think it's selfish. <laughs> and and uh, it, it actually shocks me. It's like, hey, guess what? Jesus said, when you pray, ask God for stuff daily. Right? Okay. So Jesus said, ask God for what you need in life. Right? So is it wrong to pray for yourself? Is it wrong to not pray for yourself? All right. There's this. Uh, it, it really is important. In fact, you should be your primary intercessor. 
All right? Because nobody else is going to be. <laughs> All right? Nobody else is as concerned about your life as you are. Other than God himself. All right? So you know what? It's fine. You should be holding up whatever needs you have in your life. It's okay. In fact, we're commanded to pray for our needs on a daily basis. Uh, and uh, we, we should make... Uh, the list, or <clears throat> if that helps you, I personally don't like writing down lists, but I can keep a mental list for years, and it's very specific. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, so I do have lists. I have specific things that I, I've been praying for for, for a long time. Um, <clears throat> and the more specific you are in your requests, listen up, the more likely you will see that request granted. Okay, the more specific you are in the requests you make, the more likely God will be to meet that request. All right, and, and this gets back to <clears throat> one, something I shared last week, which is a quote from a book by Richard Foster called Prayer. And if you ever want to read a good book on prayer, that's it, man. It's intense. Um, <clears throat> but he says that the purpose for prayer is to bring us into a, such a life of communion with the Father that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're increasingly conformed to the image of the Son. The purpose of the prayer is to bring us into uh, uh, such communion with the Father, relationship with the Father, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're brought into conformity with the image of the Son. We become like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit by having relationship with the Father. And that all happens in prayer. That's one of the primary purposes of prayer. So what's that got to do with being specific about things you ask for? All right? It's about intimacy. It's about sharing your heartfelt desires. Okay? Bible says God already knows what we have need of, right? right? And God knows everything, right? So God knows what you need. So, you know, this is where, where prayer is folly. This, it's kind of like silly. Why should I have to communicate to God who's all-knowing, right? Well, there's actually a reason. It's not, for, it's not really for God's benefit, although he does enjoy it. But it's to grow in intimacy, Okay? When you share your deepest desires with God, it increases the intimacy level of your relationship with Him. All right? And so that's why the more specific, God may be waiting to grant you something or enable you to receive something, but He wants you to get deeper. All right? He wants you to go deeper in yourself. What do you really want? Oh, God, I want a job. Yeah, everybody wants a job. God, I want a car. Yeah, everybody wants a car. You know? But if you, if you search out deeper, you're communicating on a deeper level, and that's what God's looking for. Because the purpose of prayer is to have such a level of communion, a relationship with the Father, that the Holy Spirit can be released in our lives so that we can become more like Christ. All right? And so even praying for stuff is a vital means by which you can increase or, uh, your level of intimacy. I think it's a really important, I mean, it's real, a way that we can 
get uh, uh, more intimate. We can share who we are. What I want is different than what you want. Why? Because we're different. And so as we communicate that in prayer, that enables that relationship to go deeper. God already, uh, God wants to go deeper with you. And, and God has time. He can give you the attention. You know, he can, he can hear every person's prayer. He can give every person on planet Earth, all six billion plus, undivided attention. And it, it doesn't even stress them out. <laughs> really, he can hear your prayer. And he can hear the prayer of everyone else. And he wants to. He delights in the prayers of the godly. He delights in them. Because it builds relationship. It goes deeper. Daily. How often should I pray for what I need? How often should you pray for what you need? Hmm? Say it loud. Daily. Daily. Every single day. Every single day. Give us, Lord, give me today what I need to get through today. And tomorrow you pray, God, give me today. Give us this day our daily needs. I mean, it's talking about daily stuff for food, but also finances and all the stuff that you need. And if you have something that you need or that you want, you need to keep praying for it until you get it. And if you stop, that reveals something. That reveals you didn't really want it. Or maybe you wanted it, but you didn't really want it. There are certain things that you're desperate about. And that's communicated by persistent prayer. So daily you ask. And sometimes God grants things in a day. Sometimes God grants things in a decade. And sometimes it takes longer. And sometimes you'll be praying for something and you won't see the fulfillment on this side of eternity. But when you're in heaven, you can look back and you can see the fruit of your prayers. And Jesus will look over and Jesus will say, your prayers were part of the influence that changed that person's life. We agreed together in prayer and that will be your reward. Won't it be cool? When you see that your prayer changed Something significant or someone's life. So we are to pray for our needs. It's okay to pray for our needs. It's, it's, a, it's a way to deepen our relationship. Pray specifically and daily. Fifth petition. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. <clears throat> now it's really interesting that here we are about halfway through, might be a little more than halfway through uh, of the prayer. It's actually more than halfway through. It's the fifth out of six. <clears throat> almost to the end. <laughs> And finally, Jesus says, okay, now deal with your sins. All right? We start out, Father in heaven, hallowed. We start out in praise and reestablishing our relationship uh, and declaring his kingdom and praying God's will be done and interceding for our lives and lives of others and, and, and being that conduit of heaven. <clears throat> and then we actually make our requests known before God. And we ask for stuff. And we say, God, this is great. Thanks for everything. But I need more of this and more of that and more of this, more of this. And then 
Jesus says, and then you, then you bring up your sin. Then, then you ask for forgiveness. And, and you forgive others. But most often, people start out prayer. If you listen to people's prayer or even evaluate yourself, you know, you get, oh God, please forgive me for my sin. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wretch. I'm so sorry. And please forgive me for this. And, and please forgive me for that. And I'm sorry I did this. And I, I didn't do that. And oh, please forgive me. You know, and you come in this state of, of like, shame and guilt. All right? And what does that reveal of your relationship with God? All right? See, if your relationship with God is that He's a judge, you're going to come pleading mercy because you're afraid of the judge and the judgment. All right? And so it's like, oh, please forgive me, please forgive me. And if, if it's really okay, I'm really, really sorry. Maybe you might need, maybe you could help me in this little area. You know, but it's not too much trouble. <clears throat> and that is just a completely upside down way to pray according to the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, we're to come to Him as our Father, that we're His sons and daughters not only welcomed, but expected, waited on, waited for, okay? That He delights in us and that we're co-laborers with Him. We're part of bringing His kingdom to come and His will to be done and we're, 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 we're presenting a request. And then there is an appropriate time to deal with sin. But when we front load it, when we walk into the room and throw God all of our dirty laundry, what does that say? about your relationship with God. Jesus said, do the other stuff first. Does that make sense? All right. So we are to say, please forgive us for our sins. And like the things that we request from God, we also need to be specific in our request for forgiveness. And so it's very important to confess forgiveness, or confess repentance and ask forgiveness for specific sins. And it's okay to give it, throw in a general and everything else I did that I'm not aware of. <laughs> but if you've done specific sins, you need to get real with God, okay, and confess them specifically. And so lay it on the line. <clears throat> Open it up. God already knows what you did, all right? And it's for your sake that when you get specific, when you say, God, forgive me for this and this when I did it to so-and-so, that was wrong. I repent. And in that act uh, of, of bringing that out and, and bringing it into clarity, you can get freedom. In the same way, uh, you need to be specific in your forgiveness. And so speak the person's name. I forgive so-and-so for doing such and such. And Lord, I just release them from all debt. And there's another little <coughs> interesting uh, aspect I was reminded of yesterday is uh, sometimes it's it's difficult to overcome um, unforgiveness or to really release somebody until we also mention or um, confess the feelings that we felt. When someone sins against you and you feel anger, you need to say, "God, I forgive so and so." For, doing, for, for, taking, for stealing me or treating me uh, unkind. And God, that really made me angry. That hurt me. I felt defenseless. I felt taken advantage of. But I forgive them. And I ask you to heal me of that hurt. And in doing that, 
There's incredible release. So if you're having difficulty getting over uh, something that's happened to you, that might be a key. Jesus doesn't repeat any of the other petitions. But at the end of this prayer, he repeats this part. He says in, in verse 14 and 15, he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so forgiving others of the sins they have committed against you and receiving forgiveness is really two sides of the same coin. We experience forgiveness when we forgive. All right? And we can't hold on to unforgiveness. It's, it's really, it's like cancer in our soul. Right? Unforgiveness is really, really nasty stuff. All right? Because if, you, if you're unable to release others, uh, it, you are unable to receive forgiveness from the Father. I mean, that's just what Jesus said. All right? And there, there's, but you're, you're able by the Holy Spirit to do it. You have to do it. Alright? You really have to do it. And if there's if you're carrying bitterness in your heart, Jesus said to do this every day. It says every you know, it's just one prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. By putting in that word daily, he's saying this is a daily prayer. Every day you need to ask for forgiveness. And every day you need to forgive others. All right. Whoever sinned against you, forgive them that day. Don't carry it because it just grows. Unforgiveness grows and becomes a heavier weight and it weighs you down. Amen? Amen. All right. So be specific. <clears throat> Confess it daily. Sixth petition is, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Another translation says, uh, the new, uh, uh, new NIV or the NIRV is what they call it. <clears throat> RV. <laughs> <laughs> it's a camper. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's, um, it says, keep us from falling into sin when we are tempted. Keep me from falling into sin when I'm tempted. Save us from the evil one. Or in the New Living Translation, it says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us. I like that one. From the evil one. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, this often uh, brings up the question in people's mind that if we have to pray, God, don't lead me into temptation, does that mean that God leads us into temptation? All right? And it's very, very clear in Scripture. In James 1.13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. All right? <clears throat> so, it's clear God does not tempt people. And to illustrate this, the idea is when you say, uh, Father, don't lead me into temptation, um, that, that, that question that comes to people's mind is like, well, does God lead us into temptation? It's kind of like if, if, Kathy, you can come on up. If, if say, we're, we went to the Grand Canyon, all right? And we're standing there at the edge of, wow, honey, isn't this amazing? Look at that. Wow. 
You ever been to the Grand Canyon? You go like this. Because <laughs> it's like it doesn't look real. <laughs> you know, and there's this sheer cliff that goes down a thousand feet. We're standing right at the edge, and Kathy drops something. Drop your eyeglasses. No, maybe not your eyeglasses. Not your ring. Well, your eyeglasses cost $600. Your eyeglasses cost $600. Don't drop your eyeglasses. <laughs> my, my eyeglasses cost a couple of bucks. I buy them, I break them, I buy new ones. Nope, there we go. It's just right on the edge. <laughs> Don't push my glasses off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no. No, say, the, say you're going to reach down and then look at me and say, Don't let me fall. Don't let me fall. Okay. I'll hang on to you, honey. You don't have to do it in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, as a, as a jokester, I might, uh, you know, uh, let her, uh, but you know what? I wouldn't let her fall. You know, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that unless I was completely sure if that was a real cliff, you know, and she was reaching over to grab something, I would hang on. All right. And it's the same thing with God. God's saying, well, does God lead me into temptation? Is like saying, would God push me off the cliff? <laughs> no. All right. He doesn't push anybody off the cliff. All right. But we're asking God to lead us away from temptation into deliverance. All right. So the request is, God, lead me. Lord, Father, lead me. Not into temptation, uh, but into deliverance. And uh, <clears throat> there's a verse here in First Corinthians chapter 10:13. It says, "No temptation has overtaken you, except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it." I was like, "Really? This is a real important point here." Okay, because many people misunderstand this scripture and misquote it like all the time. All right, because people say, well, you know, the Bible says, you know, he he won't tell me beyond what I'm able. So I know I can handle this. And I'm like, well, actually, the Bible says. No temptation has overtaken you except which is common demand. And with the temptation, God is faithful he won't tempt you, he won't allow it beyond what you're able in that he will provide an escape. He will make a way of escape. With the temptation, will also make a way of escape. All right? But if you don't take the path of escape, the temptation is well able to overtake you. In fact, it's well able to crush you like a bug. All right? And smear you on the windshield. <laughs> All right. And so, <clears throat> with the temptation, he's going to provide a way of escape. And your prayer is, Lord, lead me away from temptation. Okay? So, we're praying daily for that way of escape to be made available. Now, if we neglect to pray, or if we neglect to take the opportunity of escape, we will get hit. And very likely splattered on the windshield. Are you hearing me? Yes. All right. And it's not God's fault. Because he said, hey, every day pray for to be led away from temptation. And I'm going to make a way of escape. And when you have that opportunity, get out of the way. 
All right? Because things come in life that are bigger than you. All right? But He gives a way of escape. And that's often the misunderstanding. It's like, yeah, you could have gotten away if you'd taken that way of escape. And you would have saved yourself and a lot of other people a lot of pain. He did provide a way. You missed it. So what do you do? You confess it, ask forgiveness, receive forgiveness, forgive those who influence you wrongly, and, and be more attentive the next time around. And into deliverance. And so uh, this is a very important uh, aspect. This is not just added on, but uh, it's deliver us from evil or from the evil one. It's, it's, it's used both ways. It can, be, it can be just a general sense of evil or it can be the specific uh, personification, uh, deliver us uh, from the evil one. <clears throat> and the reality here is that we must understand that in life we are not dealing just with the natural, what we see with our eyes, what is uh, uh, just uh, the natural world, that there's another level, there's a spiritual realm. And Jesus says that we need to pray deliverance. In Ephesians, Paul talks about this in more detail. Ephesians 6.11 says, put on, it's a familiar verse, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the strategies or the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, uh, that's just natural forces, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And so there are natural elements like just taxes and, you know, dealing with job and mechanical cars and all that kind of stuff. And that's just, you know, just regular stuff. But then there's spiritual dynamics that are at play in people's lives. And I was talking to someone that long ago, and they had a lot of problems going on in their life. And they thought they had it all figured out, but everything just collapsed. And I said, listen, you got to realize that what you're fighting against is spiritual forces uh, hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, and there's this other di- dynamic that you're just completely blind to, and you need the help of Jesus Christ. You need to get your life right with God so that you're on His side, because there are demonic elements that are influenced, that are at work in the world and in your life. And Paul says, "Take up the whole armor of God." And we know all about this, uh, you know, so that <clears throat> you may, able, may be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your waist girded with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you're able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But then he ends with praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And so all of that armor you know, is good, but with it, what do we do with that armor? We pray. All right, that's what we do. It's in the, it's in the sphere of, of prayer that we stand, and that there's this. Thank you. <laughs> All right, having the armor and praying, and so Jesus says in in the perfect prayer and teaching us how to pray is that we need to um, <clears throat> we need to ask for deliverance, be led away from temptation and into deliverance. One thing I wanted to say about temptation is that you need to be, and, and, and forgiveness as well, is that in the specific and in the area of temptation, you can invite God into your temptation. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, in fact, I really encourage you to try this because we all have sin. All right. Even I sin occasionally. I think it was was it three three months ago. <laughs> no, Kathy doesn't keep a list, right? She forgives me. <laughs> we all struggle with sin. If anyone says this does not sin, he has no sin. He's a liar. All right. So. So what you do is, if you realize you're in the midst of sin, or when it says deliver us from temptation, just like you're specific about other things, you can be specific about temptation. So every time you have an interaction with, say, a, a coworker, and you just walk away hating them, <laughs> and, and you know that's not right, say, God, I'm tempted whenever I interact with so-and-so, I just don't, it's just, it's, this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and... Jesus, would you help me? Holy Spirit, just be with me in that. Or, or, or <clears throat> you know, uh, and listen, God's not shy about your sin. In fact, he sees all of it. So you can just, just even if you're committing a sin, but can it be real? Right? Let's just say hypothetical situation. There's a Christian somewhere that actually suddenly finds him or herself looking at pornography. All right? And I know nobody here does that. You know what you do there? You just go, Jesus, I know this is wrong. Would you come into my life right now? Or say you're, you're bitter and angry, and you just you like, you feel hate towards someone. You know what you do? I got this hate. I hate so-and-so. It's, yeah. Okay. God, there it is. You know, take my garbage. You know, and you know it's vomit. And he knows it's vomit. But he's a loving father. My kid gets sick and throws up. I clean it up. It's part of being a parent. Right? Now they're older, I say, make it to the toilet, you know. <laughs> Think about it, all right? <laughs> so God, invite God into the temptation. Invite God in. Invite, and listen, it changes. It changes some dynamics, especially not just once, but if you have a sin that you do repeatedly, ask the Holy Spirit to be there. He already is. So what are you doing? You're, you're, you're being more intimate. You're, you're showing God, you know, God's not a distant, rich relative that you get to see once in a while. And so you're in your Sunday best and you're on your best behavior. That's not the relationship God wants. God wants to be your papa, your daddy. The first one you run to when you have problems. Okay, he delights in that. It gives him pleasure. To rescue. Deliver us means be, be my rescuer. Alright? So when his hand reaches out to rescue you out of the mire, reach out and grab the hand. And don't be afraid to or shy to or too self-righteous to. Does that mean? Or too ashamed. Right? Because he's there to deliver you. In Jesus' name. We end with praise and honor. To him be all the glory and power. 
forever and ever. So like we began with praise, we end with praise. And I'm going to end with announcements. Thank you, Cameron, for encouraging us in prayer. All right, we're thankful for the guests that have come today.